we're doing a Bible study together. So we need to be together as a group, not spread out throughout the sanctuary, together so that we can, uh, we can actually talk about this stuff. I'll tell you this, a couple of uh, caveats, or as I used to say when I was very young, caveats, because that's how it's spelled. Actually, it's caveats. Um, this week and next week will only go as well as you guys want it to go. I can't pull teeth out of you. I can't pull stuff out of you. So it's only going to go as well and as far as you guys allow it to go. That's, that's just the long and the short of it. I can give you certain things to help stimulate conversation and stuff like that. But my job right now is not as much to be the preacher as much as it is to be the moderator. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm not going to tell you that there are no wrong answers, because there are. You can't be like, well, I think this passage is about a chicken. It's not. But if you have a thought, put your hand in the air. Put it out there. Because you never know what's actually in there or, or what your thought can spring forth from somebody else. Okay? Don't be afraid of something that you think. It might be wrong. I'll tell you this. I've been wrong many, many times. So have all of you. It's okay. Let's get that out of the way. So if you have a thought, put your hand in the air. That'll be the easiest so that I know, and then we can call on you and talk about it. And then I had a third thing, and it's gone. Oh, well, maybe it'll come up. So the first few things when you're studying Scripture, and some of this stuff will become second nature, innate to you as you're going. So the first thing I'm going to ask we read it at the very beginning. Whenever you're reading a book, a letter, and, and you study each thing a little differently, whether it's poetry, history, letter, we're studying a letter in this passage. Um, next week, we're going to do one of the parables. I haven't decided which one yet, because you look at that a little bit differently from what you would look at a letter or, or something like that. Um, so the first thing you want to look at, though, for whatever is, who is the speaker? Who's talking? Who's the one that's writing it? If it's a letter, who's the one that's authoring it? If it's a speaker, who's speaking? So, who wrote Colossians? Paul, who else? There's one other person. It says right in the very beginning, Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Who are they writing it to? The church in Colossae, exactly. Why are they writing it? This is a little bit of a harder one. And this is one where there might be a few different ideas. Um, Paul generally has one overarching theme when he writes. And Paul is the primary author in this. But Timothy is with him. That's why we put Timothy there as well. So as you're looking at that very beginning, because it's a letter. So you're going to state why you're writing. So what is the, what, that first bit, first five, six, seven, eight verses, what is it that Paul talks about the most? In those verses. Be thankful. Thankfulness. Yeah. Praying. I like that. I saw your hand in the air. Okay. There's one, there's one big one. Thankful. Or what did you say? Faithful. That's there. Yep. If you took all three of those things together. The saints. Yes. He's writing to the saints about the gospel. Those first, you look throughout this whole first section, what goes throughout all of it is 
the gospel and how it's going forth in Colossae, brought to them by Epaphras. Paul did not, so I'm going to write that down right here. Paul did not found this church in, in Colossae. Epaphras did. He's writing to this church because Epaphras, most likely while Paul is in Rome, uh, uh, talks to him about it. But the whole thing throughout that is the gospel. It's important to understand because that's going to that's gonna shape. Now, we're not going to read the whole, the whole letter and go through the whole letter today and everything like that. But that will shape how you look at the whole passage of scripture that we're going to talk about. And if you were doing a book study, the rest of the book. Right? There's multiple different forms of context. There's how does this fit in the context of the Bible as a whole? As the, in the story of the Bible, how does this fit? Then, in this, since this is in the New Testament, in the New Testament, how does this fit? In Paul's epistles, how does this fit? In the book of Colossians, the letter, how does this fit? In the first chapter, how does this fit? So there's multiple different levels that you come down to. And doing this at the very beginning of whatever you're studying is going to help you to see that and understand that a little better. And it will become second nature, right? Uh, eventually, you're going to learn which epistles were written by Paul. And most of you, and I won't say most, a lot of you probably already have that. You open a book and you go, oh, we're going to Romans. That was written by Paul. Oh, we're going to this. That was written by Paul. So, so and Paul has a very particular form of writing, or, uh, yeah, uh, particular, um, that, that he uses in all of his, just as you would if you were writing letters, just as I do, even when I'm speaking, stuff like that. So whenever you do a Bible study, you want to start there. What is it about? Who is writing it? And to who are they writing it? Now, let's jump down to verses 13 through 20. And this, you're going to say, Pastor, this is really, really simple. Yep, it is. Because this is the second place you go. Observations. In those seven, eight verses... What do you see? You don't have to be profound. You don't have to be, oh, this is such a deep thing. No, no, no. Just what observations can you make about those verses, about the section that you are currently reading? So, observations. Yes. What else? Yes. So we have... That's about the work of Christ, what he did, all about Christ, and then we're describing who Christ is uh, or what Christ is uh, in that, in that uh, passage. I'm going to write down one that I already said. Christ is the creator. That's incredibly important in this section. It also helps, by the way, and this is where your Bible study comes in, right? If you look at Christ being the creator, what does it say in Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, who? God created the heavens and the earth. So if God created the heavens and the earth, and we read here that Christ is the creator, well, that then must mean what? God is Christ, or Christ is God. The divinity of Christ is proven in one sentence. So we can write that down. Prove divinity of Christ. What else? What else do you guys see there? Because there's, there's a ton of stuff. So it, it can be the simplest thing, or you can try to make those connections like I just did, whatever it be. Hmm. Statement of redemption, he said. Yeah. What else? Visible of the invisible. Yes. He's the visible image of the invisible. You were going to say something? He not only delivered us from ourself, 
but he brings us and puts us right into the kingdom of heaven. That's what she said. Yeah, deliverance. What else? There's still more in there. And don't worry, we're not going to find everything that's in there. Remember what I said last week. The Bible never says more than it says, but it does say more than you see. Remember that. As you're reading through, as you're studying scripture, remember that. Because here's the thing. We're going through all of this stuff right now, and 10 years from now, you might look at this passage of scripture again and find something else. It's not that it wasn't there before. It's just that God didn't have that for you right right then. So what else? What else can we see throughout those, those seven, eight verses there? Yeah. Mm. Everything, the whole thing, the whole story. Yeah. The whole story of the Bible. It's reconciliation. It comes right down to our reconciliation with God. Yes. I probably spelled that wrong, but that's okay because it gets erased at the end of the day anyway. He's the head of the church. Yes. What else? I'm glad you pointed that out. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Because at first glance, there's two, there's two times in that passage where he says that uh, Christ is the firstborn. And it can sound like Christ was created. He was not. We know he wasn't. We're going to talk about that when we talk about conclusions. That's good. That's good. What else? Yeah. That's good stuff to know, too. 33 times all. Um, I like to look at a book and, and try to find out how many times a certain word is used because it, it shows us why or, or really dig deep into what the book was written about. So, right, we say if somebody says something twice, they want you to get it. If somebody says it 33 times, they really want you to get it, okay? So a lot of times I choose words like how many times is the word loved used in a passage? How many times is reconciliation or, or something like that? That's a good step to, to figuring that out and going, okay, this helps me know what this book is about. So, so through this, we can see that Paul is trying to say, listen, it's everybody. It's every single, everybody is included in this. Everybody that's accepted Christ. Let's, let's put a little, little uh, comma in there or whatever. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. What else? A few more things, then we'll, then we'll move on to the next, uh, the next step. Two mysteries. I like it. Two mysteries, yeah. One or two more. What else? And then we'll, uh, then we'll move on to the next section. I gotta say, I love that you guys are all looking down at your Bibles trying to find something. It makes me, makes me happy inside. I like it. I like it. Anything? Yeah. He's reconciling all things to himself, not only on earth, but in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next thing. So you've, you've, you've made your list, and maybe it helps you to, if, if you're like me, I like to write things down. I like to, I, I can't just remember things. Terrible memory. But if I write something down, it helps me to figure it out and see it. So maybe, you know, you're studying a passage of scripture and you've got this whole list and I'm telling you, we've got what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 things there and we scratch the surface of what's in that passage of scripture, okay? That's all right. Um, that's where you're going to be most of the time, to be frank. That's just the way that is because we have finite minds that can't fully grasp the mysteries of Scripture. That's just how it is, unless the Holy Spirit decides to, to show them to us. So once you've made this, once you've seen this, you've read the passage through a few times, you've made some observations, you're going, okay, where do I go from there? You start going, what conclusions could I make? What types of applications can I make from this? Now, here's the thing. Not every single passage of Scripture 
is going to have direct application to your life. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's not going to mean, it, it doesn't mean that every passage of scripture is going to have something that you go, okay, this, I'm going to change my life this week with this, right? Because, uh, so we see this, we've already said this whole thing, right? It's about the gospel right here. The gospel already changed your life. Now, it should be continuously changing your life. You should be continuously uh, becoming more and more Christ-like, but you're not going to look at this and go, oh, well, you know what? It's a statement of redemption. I better not lie as much this week. Yes, you shouldn't, but that's not the application from this text. So there will be application. There will be conclusions that you can draw, but every single time you study a passage does not mean there's going to be an immediate change that you can make because of it. A lot of it is that working in your life to change who you are from the inside out, right? If I know that this whole thing, if I know Christ is my creator, that's another thing I can thank him for every single day. He created me. Something that, that, that you guys didn't mention, he's also the sustainer. I mentioned that earlier. He's sustaining me. The fact that I can take a breath, Christ just allowed me to do that. And not just allowed me to do that, he gave me the ability to do that. So that's something more that I can thank him for, that I can be thankful for, right? We can be thankful for in our prayers. Look at that. See how it all kind of just comes together. So what applications, what conclusions can you guys draw from this whole list, but also something else that you might not have said or might not have heard said yet? What can you draw from it? Hmm. Yes. I like that. Yeah. What else? Tell others. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Real quick, let me describe what firstborn was so that we can get that, that idea out of the way, right? Because we, we see this word firstborn right here. So what does that mean up here? When you're firstborn, what they're talking about there, there's two things. When it says the firstborn of the dead, which is in verse, what, 19, something like that? Verse 18. What that is meaning is, and here's the thing, right? If I can encourage you to buy a Bible, Go out and get yourself a good study Bible. I'm a big fan of Charles Ryrie. I like his study Bible. I like his notes. Um, and he has most of your major uh, translations. He has a study Bible in that. I'm not nearly as smart as I sound. I just like to read men and women who are way smarter than me. Okay? So if you're like, man, where does he find this stuff? Study Bibles and, and various things like, like that from men who can actually read the original Greek like I can't, and stuff like that. So, firstborn of the dead. It means that literally, he was the first one to get the resurrected body. He was the first one to be fully transfigured into the resurrected body. And then earlier, it, it uses the word firstborn as well earlier, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he is the image of the, inv of, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Man, doesn't that sure sound like Paul is trying to say Christ was created if he's the firstborn of all creation? It's not what he's saying. What he's saying there is that he is the, 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 oh, what's the best way to put this now? I had a word in my head and now it's gone and that happens way more than it should. Um, what it, what it means is, do you guys mind if I go run and grab my study Bible? No, I'm kidding. Um, I should have just brought it with me. Um, what he's saying there is not that Christ was the firstborn of creation that he was created, but that all creation is through him. He, he clarifies it a little bit later. That's what he's saying there. It's weird to us, right? We wouldn't use that term. When was the last ter time you used, when was the last term you used the term firstborn in that context? 
in something like that. It's not in our everyday vernacular. Like, we don't even say, like, Linnea is not the firstborn of the brush children. We just say she's the oldest, right? So it's, uh, you might, you're going to run into terms like that. I would tell you this, too, and not as much for firstborn, but in general, when you're studying the Bible, keep a dictionary with you, too. A little dictionary, even if it's just on your phone, because it helps you to understand there's lots of times I read a word and I go, what? What is that? One other thing before we, we hop back into conclusions. When you're studying the Bible, and this is one of the things, one of the reasons that I really love a study Bible. Most of the study Bibles will let you know about what time a book was written so you can understand what's going on in the world at that time as well. And that's important to know because this was real, these were, not was, were real people in a real city in a real pagan life that are being told these things. There's wars going on. There's rumors of wars. There's poverty. There's sin. It's all, everything that you deal with today, they were dealing with then as Paul and Timothy are writing them a letter. It's important to understand what's going on in the world as well. And a study Bible helps you to do that because you can say, okay, it was written about this time. It was written in and around this time. Okay, this was written most likely about 50-ish years after the death of Christ. Christianity has had its initial boom, and now it's in its first stages of real persecution. Okay, I know what they're facing. Nero hasn't yet burned down Rome and, and, and blamed it on the Christians. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. So, so it's important to understand that stuff as well as you're looking at it. And I know we're jumping around just a little bit, but that's how my mind works. Here's the thing. You don't want to do a Bible study with Sam because his mind jumps from boom, 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 boom. It's great. It's also really confusing even to me. All right. Other conclusions that you can draw. We've got a few minutes left, and then I'll let you out of here. Yes. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. She said, if you couldn't hear, she said, you look at that column and you see who Christ is and everything that he's done in all creation and everything, and how could you not be still and know? But at the same time, you're looking at that column and you see all that Christ is and everything, and how can you not know that he's the one that's behind you, and so why should you fear? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yes. Mm. He's a... I love that. Yeah, it's a quick little thumbnail sketch of who Christ is. When you're taking it out to somebody who doesn't know, and they're like, well, who is this Jesus? Well, let me tell you, right? He's the, he, he, he was the creator and sustainer of all life. He was the first to get the resurrected body when he came back. He's the head of our church. He's redeeming everything. And you know what? My favorite one here is this one. He's God that I can see. Now, yeah, I can't see him right now. He doesn't appear to me. He appeared to Paul. That's the last person that we know of, if I am correct, that he appeared to in that way. But you know what? He was in Israel, and people got to see him and talk to him and hug him and spend time with him. And if you're certain apostles and stuff, put your hand in his side and were blinded by him. It's great. That's one of my favorite ones. You know what? Yes, you can't see God, but you can see Christ. And there he is. Yes, I love it. I love it. One or two more things. It's 1030. So we'll be out of here in just a minute. See, didn't that go really quick? 20 minutes. Nobody got hurt. Too bad. Let me ask this. 
And I'll leave this up here if you guys want to take a picture or something like that. Maybe you don't, but in my college life, that's what we did. We didn't take notes. We just waited till the end of the class and then took our phones and went up and took a picture so that you didn't have to write it. I said we're going to do a, uh, we're gonna do a, uh, a parable next week. Is there a parable that you guys would like to see and like to engage in breaking down? Is there one that you guys would, would prefer? If not, that's all right, but I wanted to ask it anyway, because this is for you guys. I mean, it's for me too. It's always nice for me to go back to the roots and go, oh yeah, this is why I love whiteboards. But it's for you guys as well. So if there's not, that's fine, but I wanted to open that up. Okay. Well then, if you don't follow our Facebook page, I suggest that you do, because I will put out one, this picture, and two, uh, I will put out there what passage of scripture we're going to do, so that, or what, what parable we're going to do, so that uh, for those of you that are on it, you can know, and those of you that are not on it, maybe you can talk to somebody that is, and they'll, they'll know. This is, this is bare bones, but that's okay, because while it might be bare bones, look at what, look at what we got, be still. You're blameless in his sight. You're supposed to tell everybody. There's Christ behind you. He's the creator and sustainer. Why are you afraid of stuff? Right? We look at this stuff, and yes, it was bare bones, but you know what? That's life-changing stuff that came out of it because of some simple observations. And then looking at why it was written and who wrote it so that it informs the whole thing. Next week, we're going to do it again. One more week. Do something a little different because it's a, it's a parable, so it looks just a little bit differently. You've got to understand and look at a little bit more of the cultural things in a parable. Why he chose to use a fisherman or this or, or that. What is a mite? What is a, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this week. Um, I sure did. It's been a long time since I got to do something uh, like, like this with a group of people, and I love it. I encourage you so much. Study. Study this book. Study it with everything that you've got. It never says more than it says, but it says more than you see. And every time I read a passage of scripture, I find something new that God goes, hey, did you see this the first time? And I'm like, nope, I didn't. It's incredible. It's a, it's a gorgeous, beautiful book, even the hard parts. It's incredible. We'll do a parable next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for studying the word of God. Thank you for this book that we can study. I thank you that there are men and women far smarter than I who have done it beforehand that help us to see the things that are written in there. Father, I, I ask that you would grant us the desire, the urge to study your word. And even if we don't have it, because there's going to be days, moments, times when we don't, I ask that you would help us to study your word anyway. Make it a lamp unto our feet. Let me hide it in my heart. Father, we praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen.